Well, good morning. It's great to see all of you here this morning. Good morning to those of you who are watching online. Great to have you with us too. Thank you very much. Um, and many of you, I'm sure, uh, as you watched that video, knew exactly what's going on this morning. But uh, if you are visiting, if you're uh, new here this morning, if you've not been here the last few weeks, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been involved in an incredible adventure here at Connect Church that um, uh, involves me traveling to Tanzania in Africa uh, alongside an organization called World Vision. And uh, the trip was kind of a two-part trip. The first part involved me, uh, and I was awesome privileged to take my son, Ben, along with me. And we hiked to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. Mount Kilimanjaro, for those of you who don't know, is the... Uh, thank you. Yes, yes. Woo-hoo! The fact that I'm standing here in person is a miracle. Um, I survived. So it is the tallest freestanding mountain in the world. So that means it's not part of a mountain range. It's kind of a standalone mountain. It's the biggest mountain in Africa, uh, the tallest freestanding mountain in the world. And uh, over the course of six days, we were a part of a group of 14 people who were going to hike all the way to the very top of it, 19,400 feet and then back down. And I've got to be honest, I trained a lot for this. I was getting as ready as I could be. I was feeling pretty good about this challenge. I was, I was feeling like as I, as I got there and I began the hike, I've got this. Until the moment that we were all sat in the tent one night, uh, eating our dinner, and my son Ben uh, was there, and he kind of looked around. He goes, Dad, loud enough for everyone to hear, Dad, you're the oldest one here. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. <laughs> what I heard was, Dad, you're the most likely to die on this mountain. <laughs> and that's all I could think about from that point onward. And then, just to remember, he goes, and Dad, I'm the youngest one here. <laughs> Which, again, I heard as, I'll be the one who has to carry you down the mountain uh, if you don't survive. So, but despite knowing that I was the oldest one there, uh, Ben and I, we did make it to the top of that mountain and back down again. But the reason we did this hike, the reason we did it at all, was because we wanted to uh, be a part of a group that was bringing awareness to a, uh, a global situation here of what extreme poverty looks like in much of the world. The reality is that for us, uh, we are very fortunate to live here in the United States of America, but really we're in the minority compared to how many people in the world exist every day uh, living in poverty. So this was an opportunity for us to partner with this organization, World Vision, and in particular their child sponsorship program to see if we as a church uh, could raise some awareness and to, to sponsor some of these children, this community, Niolo, in uh, Tanzania, Africa, and change their lives forever. So I actually met with a, a young lady, her name's Amy Claire, and she works for World Vision, and we met in the blends, I think it was January or February this year, and she came to present this idea of um, whether we as a church, whether I as an individual will be interested in joining them in hiking this mountain, and then going to this community and meeting these children, meeting these families. And I said, that sounds like something I think I would love to do personally, and I would stretch me personally, but I think it's right in line with our vision as a church. We, are as a, we as a church are passionate about changing the lives of children. 
whether it's locally or globally. If there is a project, if there is an opportunity that we as a church can get involved in, in impacting the life of a child, then we are all in. So sign me up. And she said, that's great. She goes, well, the very first thing is you've got to set a goal for how many children you think your church could sponsor. I said, well, I'm not sure. I mean, we've not really ever done anything like this before. What, what do you recommend? She goes, well, I think, you know, a church your size. How about 150? I was like, 150? No way. Because I'm a man of great faith. And uh, <laughs> I said, uh, how about 120? She goes, okay, we could do 120. And I'll be honest with you, even then, in the back of my mind, I'm like, 120, that's an awful lot. I'm not sure if we can do that. And in the weeks leading up to two weeks ago when we did our sponsorship Sunday, I was doing the math in my head. I was trying to figure out how many Connect families would have to say yes. And, and, and I couldn't get it to work. I couldn't make the math work. I couldn't see how there was any way that we would ever sponsor that many children. But lo and behold, God showed up. And you, as a church family, Connect, you blew me away yet again with your generosity. And when Ben and I left for Africa two weeks ago, we recorded a little video at Chicago O'Hare on Monday morning because following Sunday, we were, we were really close to our goal of 120. And we made this video at O'Hare and we said, hey, wouldn't it be great if in 14, 15 hours when we get off our plane, if we'd hit that goal? And we got off the plane and we were thrilled and excited to look and see that we'd exceeded our goal of 120. So the next morning, we were at the hotel that we stayed at the first night. We were getting ready to load up all of our gear, our backpacks, and head out to the bottom of Kilimanjaro to begin this hike. So Ben and I, we made one more video together. We said over the next six days, we won't really have access to cell service, but it would be fantastic if when we got back from the mountain, we'd actually sponsored 150 kids. That's a big ask, but we're gonna put that out there and, and off we went to the mountains. Six days later, we got back, our cell phones clicked back on again, we got service and I refreshed the page and 159 children had been sponsored. Great job. And it's not too late, so you can still, if you weren't here two weeks ago, if you weren't a part of this, and, and after the service today, you're like, man, I wanna be in on this. I wanna, I wanna help sponsor a child. Even after first service, we've got four more. So we're at 163 after first service. So God is still on the move. So, so exciting. And this morning, ACP, Amy Claire, she's here from World Vision. She said that the reason she came was to be part of the reveal weekend. I think the real reason she came was so she could look me in the eye and say, I told you so. <laughs> Should have gone with 150. So I told this story on the trip. Uh, we had devotions one night, and I told the whole team about how God had stretched my faith. And, and as I always do, I'm always a little nervous, and, and God just always amazes me with doing over and above what I ever imagined he can do. And on the very last morning before we uh, left the mountain, we were having breakfast together and uh, the lady who was in charge of the trip, she did like a kind of little award ceremony and everyone around the table got an award for something. There was a couple of ladies, they got the best singer award, I think, and uh, some different people got different awards. And I received this Kilimanjaro bracelet. This was my award and the award I received for was Underbeliever, Overachiever. <laughs> Underbeliever, overachiever, that's me. That's a badge of honor for your pastor to be wearing. So. 
And to be honest, it's probably an award that I shouldn't really be proud of receiving. I mean, as the lead pastor, the man of God, the man of faith, you know, to be somebody who's an underbeliever, overachiever. But when I started to read through the Old Testament, I realized, you know, I'm actually in pretty good company here. When I start to read about the lives of some of the, the great men and women of God who lived in Bible times, I start to see a little bit of a pattern of some underbelieving. Many of you have heard of Moses, one of the heroes of the faith. He went up the mountain and came down with the Ten Commandments. He led over a million Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. God parted the Red Sea, and Moses led the people to their new home of Israel. But listen to the origin story of Moses. Listen to how God called this great hero of faith, this great man of God in the first place. Exodus chapter 3 Verses 10 through 11, God says, Now go, for I'm sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Israel? Oh, sorry, the people of Israel out of Egypt. This is in Exodus 3. This conversation between Moses and God goes all the way through to Exodus chapter 4. Because God keeps saying, no, Moses, you've got this. I see something in you that you don't see in yourself. I've called you to this great challenge. And Moses is just protesting and protesting, saying, God, pick someone else. Chapter 4, verse 10, Moses pleaded with the Lord. Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Exodus 4, 13. Again, Moses pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else, anyone across all of Israel, all of Egypt, anyone except me. He doesn't really sound like one of the great heroes of faith, does he? And yet that's who God chose to lead his people out of Egypt. There was another man, his name was Gideon. Listen to the great calling upon Gideon's life. Judges 6, 14 to 15, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. God, I am the smallest in the smallest family in the week. I, literally, God, you could not have chosen a worse candidate for the job than me. But that's who God chose. He appears to be an underbeliever. But what I've come to learn from these people in the Bible and from my own experience is that God doesn't look for, God doesn't need 100% certainty. He just needs enough faith for us to move. Enough faith for us to do something. Because once we're moving, He can do the rest. If we're willing to take that first step, he can do the rest. Well, the reality is, I don't think God wants people who are 100% certain because they don't need God. I think God deliberately puts us in places where, God, there's no way I can accomplish this goal unless you show up and help. And God's like, 
exactly. And I'm going to be with you. That's why I called you, because you can't do this by yourself. You see this mountain? You'll never make it to the top of that by yourself. 150 kids? I can't figure out how to do that. But God says, that's good. Because I can. And I'm going to show up and show you how. And what I've seen time and time again in my life, throughout Scripture, in the lives of others, is that God loves to take the small things and make them big. He loves to take the small things in our life, those small steps of faith, those small things that we're like, God, I don't feel like I've got much that I can do or offer. And God's like, that's fine. I'm gonna take the small thing and I'm gonna make something big out of it. And over the last two weeks, Ben and I got to journey through Africa and see God time and time again take small things and turn them into big things. I myself experienced moments where I just felt like I was at the end of myself. I said, God, I don't know if I can do this. And I felt God come in and say, I've got this. I'll, I'll carry you through. I'll help you accomplish this. I don't think I experienced that any more clearly than on the night that we had to summit the mountain, Kilimanjaro itself. And I say night because it was a night. So basically, we'd hiked for four days now each day working our way up the mountain from camp to camp. It was unbelievable because as we started towards the bottom of the mountain, we're working our way through different ecosystems. We started in a rainforest with trees and monkeys. It was just incredible. And then before you know it, we're kind of above uh, land where, where um, things will grow. Now it's kind of this barren wasteland. From day two onwards, we were above clouds the entire time. You could literally see all of the clouds below. We were up above where the clouds were. It was fascinating. And then day four, we got to camp early and we ate an early dinner and we went to bed because at midnight, they woke us up. At midnight, they woke us up. We had a hot drink and then we got dressed. It was freezing cold. We washed about every piece of clothing we had. We put headlamps on and we set off for the final ascent. The five and a half mile hike over about 4,000 feet from 15,000 to 19,000 feet that would take us to the top of this mountain. Right now where we're sitting here at sea level, uh, roughly 20% of the air we're breathing is oxygen. That's what we're used to breathing. At 19,000 feet, 10% of the air you breathe is oxygen. So less than half of the amount of oxygen. So you take five or six steps and you're like, <sighs> you're just out of breath. It was such hard work. We just worked our way slowly up this mountain in the dark, just a little trail of us, just one after the other, headlamps on. And it was cold, but the moon was out. It was a beautiful, bright night. But around 5 a.m., we were getting up towards the top, and the moon disappeared behind the mountain. And for about an hour, it was just pitch black. It was the coldest part of the night. Our toes were cold. Our fingers were cold. It was starting to get really tough at this point. And I can remember about 6 or 6.15 as we were getting towards the top. We looked behind us and there on the horizon we could see the sun was just beginning to break over the horizon. It was the most spectacular thing and suddenly hope and you just see the warmth and the light and you're like, I think we're going to make this. I remember taking this picture as I looked back and just this, this new feeling I had as the sun was rising. We were so high up that you could literally look out and see the curvature of the earth on the horizon as the sun was rising above it. It was incredible. 
And with that fresh hope and energy, we made it to the top of that first climb, a place called Gilman's Point. Here's Ben and I at Gilman's Point. This is 18,652 feet. We just felt so good. We were exhausted, we were tired, but we're like, you know, we made it to this point only to discover that we were still an hour and a half away from the summit. (laughs) Over the top of my head in the distance, there's another 800 feet of elevation to the summit. And we had an hour and a half left to go. I remember walking towards that summit. About an hour in, I was just exhausted. I had nothing left in me. The tank was empty. I was walking on fumes, just taking one step after the other. And I started to find this fear creeping in. Because I could honestly picture myself making it to the top and having nothing left in me, no energy at all. I was like, God, I I don't know how I'm going to get back down. I feel like I've got just enough energy to get me to the top. But I'm actually getting a little afraid, God, because I really don't know how I'm going to get down. Because I've got nothing left in me at all. Praying, asking God to show up and help me. And then we made it to the top. And we got to the summit. And there's Ben and I at Africa's highest point, the world's highest freestanding mountain. And I love this picture because the sweater I'm wearing is my dad's skiing sweater last year. Early last year, my dad passed away and I've done a couple of these climbs and and I wear this with me to think of him every step of the way as I'm making that climb. And I don't know if it was the euphoria of making it or the adrenaline boosters, but suddenly I just felt all this new energy come inside. As a group, we stood there together in a circle and we sang Amazing Grace. This was the 14 of us with some of our porters up on the top of the mountain. We prayed together, we sang Amazing Grace together and I felt all this new energy and I feel like God just answered my prayers. He said, I know you don't have the energy to make it, but that's why you need me. And then off we started on our journey back down. It was a hard journey going down, but I felt like God was there helping me get to the bottom. But the reality is, the reason we climbed this mountain, the reason we stretched ourselves physically was because we felt like this was a great opportunity to bring awareness to our friends and our family and our church family of the great need of the people here in Tanzania. To raise awareness for child sponsorship, to make a difference in the lives of these children. And the very next day, I got to travel to Ni- Ni- oh, I always get this wrong. Niolo. Niololo. Niolo. I traveled there the next day, and I got to see firsthand that God can take the small things and make them big. I arrived and got to witness the chosen event. As we showed up at this, this school, there was the tent set up. And in that tent were the pictures hanging from Connect Families, And some of the other churches from pastors who are with us on this group, over 500 children altogether had been chosen or had been uh, selected to choose their sponsored. We got there around one o'clock. Kids had been choosing since nine that morning and were still choosing all the way till five that afternoon. I met dozens of kids holding pictures and I would ask to see them and they would show me and it would be a picture of a family at Connect that I recognized. People that connect friends of mine, I'm like, I know these people. You picked well. This is a great family. You're going to love them. (laughs) And here's the crazy thing. 
child sponsorship through World Vision is $39 a month. $39 a month. Can something small really make that much of a difference? I mean, what's $39 for us? I mean, $39, that's about the, the amount of money we spend on coffee in a month. Some of us in a week. <laughs> it's our coffee budget. $39, that might be a meal for two at a restaurant, depending on where you're $39, that's just about your Netflix and Disney subscription combined. $39, that might be what it costs to fill your car with gas. It might be what it costs to fill half your car with gas. $39 could be one item at TJ Maxx compared to the original price of $80. (laughs) Although I feel like I've only ever seen that item for sale at TJ Maxx. I've never seen it for sale at these other places they say it would have been for sale at. But such a small amount in our context. But God takes something small and does something huge with it. Because for $39 a month, he is transforming the lives of these children. I discovered there was a lady there called Esther. She works with World Vision in Tanzania. She explained to me that in Tanzania, um, there is no, um, the law on uh, the marriage, the age at which you can get married in Tanzania is 13 years old. So it's legal for a 13-year-old girl to be married to a man. And it's sad because that girl has no protection against this law. So many teenagers, many young girls are are taken and married and have no protection against that unless they go to school. If they're in school, the law protects them. The, The government has it set up to where if you're in school, you cannot be married until you're out of school. Every child who gets sponsored through World Vision gets placed in a school. So your sponsorship is already protecting these girls from a a direction their life may go. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Along with that, they get medical help. They get food. They get all sorts of things that impact their, not just them, but their whole family. A chance to see the cycle of poverty broken in their generation. All of this can happen, something huge with something so small. Just a $39 a month donation. I remember the day we arrived at the school. We pulled up in these Toyota Land Cruisers. I mean, it was just so African. We're driving through, you know, these bumpy roads, you know, in these, in these Jeeps. And as we pull up, here are the children in the school. They were so excited to meet us. The first tent they took us to is where they were selecting the children. So this young girl, she wasn't currently in the school. But because she's been selected for the program, she'll now get to be in the school. She was saying hi to us, going around, giving us fist bumps. And then following this, the kids were taken to another section where they were given their very first school uniform. They were given backpacks. Being chosen, being part of this program meant they are now part of the school system there. They'll get education. And then we got to watch these kids Move, their, move forwards to choose the family that they were going to choose. This is my camera footage right here of Deborah, three-year-old Deborah, who I don't know if she fully understands what she's doing, but she knows that she gets to choose a family. And I got to be there and watch as she stepped up and she pointed to the picture of my family. 
and she chose the Janes. <laughs> and I got to meet Deborah. And this morning I got an email from uh, the sponsor who helped Deborah write her very first letter to our family. <laughs> and she suddenly realized that guy with the beards. He looks like that other guy with the beard who's filming me right now. It was the most incredible experience. And then walking around and seeing these kids carrying their envelopes, seeing families in these envelopes saying, I know them, I know them. That they'd chosen friends of mine, families here at Connect. You may not have been here two weeks ago when we did this. You can still do it this morning. There is a, in the fireside room when we're gonna go and collect our envelopes this morning, there's a booth set up. You can still be chosen today if you'd like. You can go in there, they'll take your picture. And children from this community, there are still more children than there were sponsors. There's still a need in that community. A child in that community will choose your family and you get to play a part in their life. Already over 160 of you have done this and it's huge. And here's a little highlight video to illustrate what's taken place over the last couple. 10 days from now on July 5th, I will be in that room as the kids walk in. We get to travel to the community where these kids live who we will be sponsoring. I'll get to look at a wall full of pictures of Connect families, people I know, people I love. I'll recognize families from Connect. And then I'll get to watch these beautiful children come in and stand before pictures of you and choose you. And then once they've chosen your picture, someone will take a picture of them. And two weeks from today, Sunday, July the 9th, I'll be back by then. You'll arrive at church that morning and the lobby will be full of all of those envelopes. And one of them will have your name on it. As you pull it down and open it up, there will be a picture of that little boy and girl who chose you or your family. And with it will be a letter. And in that letter, that little boy or girl will have written, here's why I chose you. They'll write what it was that drew them to your picture. And that relationship between you and that child will begin. <laughs> I know some of you are like Dave will you just wrap it up I want to get out there I want to pick my picture I want to see who chose me hurry up here <laughs> we'll get there hang in there it was so cool you know not only did we get to watch these kids choose different families we then got to go over to one of the classrooms and it was full of children sat at desks with sponsors from World Vision writing their first letter to you drawing pictures to you. This morning, when you choose your picture, when you go out there to grab your envelope, you'll see a picture of the child that chose you holding your picture. You'll click on an email this morning and it'll take you to a link that will show you that letter that I watched them write to you. You'll get to read that letter and find out why they chose you. It was incredible to witness firsthand God taking the small things the 39 a month and making big things happen. After spending the day with the children, the next day we traveled further into Niolo to meet some of the families and see what life was like in their communities. And it was like another world. It was heartbreaking to see the effects of poverty on families. 
we met one lady, her name was Rosa, and it just broke my heart meeting Rosa and hearing her story. She had four children, and her husband had left her about a year ago. This is Rosa. And as we talked to her and heard her story, you could just see that they were really, it was like the light had gone off in her eyes. She had a small patch of land where she grew uh, grain, but there wasn't enough to keep her family uh, in food for the years. They were always just a little bit short of what they needed. Her and her four, four children lived in a house smaller than my kitchen. We got to take a picture on the inside of her house there, and that's it. There's a mattress in the corner that her and the kids sleep on. And actually, that mattress was a gift from World Vision. When they found out about Rosa living by herself with just her children, they donated the mattress. They, they took two of her children and put them into the uh, World Vision sponsorship program. Two of her children are now sponsored, which is making a difference in Rosa's life. Every day, Rosa has to walk about a mile round trip to collect clean water. She does this three times a day. So we walked with Rosa. It was one of the toughest walks I've ever had to make, knowing that this is what this lady does every day. Carrying that bucket of water. She would carry it on her head. I was carrying it, and it was, it was hard work, knowing that she's doing this three times a day. So it was incredible to, as part of the tour, see what World Vision is doing in this community. Thanks to the sponsorship money that we send, it doesn't just impact the life of a child, it also impacts the community at large. They were building a water tower this tower will be finished by the end of July, and it'll hold thousands of gallons of water, which is then being pumped through a solar-powered electric pump throughout the village. So within 100 yards of Rosa's house, there will now be a tap that she can go to with that bucket and fill with water as many times a day as she needs to. It was hard seeing Rosa and just kind of the despondency in her face, but seeing her children, knowing that they've been sponsored, knowing that, you know, maybe for Rosa it's hard, but, but for her children there's a chance that this cycle of poverty will be broken, that they'll get to experience a life that their mum never got to experience. But there are hope for the families as well. There is hope for the adults as well. We met Esther. Esther was amazing. World Vision to come alongside Esther and her husband and family and they said, we want to provide just a few chickens for you. But not just the chickens themselves. We're also going to give you an education into how to raise these chickens, how to care for these chickens, how to breed these chickens. We met Esther, and she let us hold one of the chickens. I didn't hold it. <laughs> I knew that wouldn't end well. Marla, my friend, she got to hold one of the chickens. And this is Esther here. So she's now got 15 or 16 chickens. I said, Esther, how many eggs do these chickens lay? And she took me into the chicken coop and there were eggs everywhere. I said, is this just for your family? She goes, no, I sell most of the eggs. She goes, but every day, my family all eat one egg each. I make sure that every day, me and my kids, we all get to eat at least one egg each for our own health. But as these chickens are breeding, she's getting to use them for meat. She's getting to sell them. So, so she's building an income, a livelihood for her family. It wasn't just chickens. With some of the money she went, she went out and bought guinea pigs. And if your kid's here this morning, you're looking on thinking, that's so sweet that she could buy pets for the family. <laughs> These weren't pets. <laughs> this is another source of income, another source of food for the family. <laughs> but before World Vision came along, 
Esther was scraping to make ends meet. And now she's raising these chickens. She's building a livelihood for her family. She is independent and breaking the cycle of poverty. And our sponsorship helps make that happen. Esther, we found out, has already taught 15 other families in her community how to raise and care for these chickens. Other families are benefiting from Esther's experience. I saw so many examples over the last two weeks of how God takes the small things and makes them big. And I realized that, you know what? Under a believer, overachiever, maybe it's not such a bad thing after all. Because when we looked at Moses and Gideon earlier, what made them heroes of the Old Testament wasn't the size of their faith. It was the fact that they took a step. They took a step of faith. They said, God, we don't know if we can do this. We're not sure if we can do this, but we're gonna at least take a step. Exodus 4.20, so Moses took his wife and sons and put them on a donkey and he headed back to the land of Egypt. He didn't know how it was gonna happen. He had no certainty, but he trusted God enough to make that first move. In his hand, he carried the staff of God. Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded. But he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of the father's household and the people of town. But he still did as the Lord commanded. When faced with the challenge of finding 120 families to sponsor, it would have been tempting for me to just say, I'm just not sure if I can accomplish that. But God didn't need to get me to the place of knowing for certain we could do it. He just needed me to be willing to take that step. Because even though it was a small step of faith, God was able to do something huge with it. So this week, right now in your life, what is the challenge that God's put in before you? What is the small step that God is wanting you to take? It might be $39 a month sponsorship. Something you think is so small, can it really make a difference? Yes, it can. It might be stepping up to get involved somewhere here at Connect. It could be a project here in the community somewhere that God's put in your heart to to make a difference, to do something, but you've been questioning it because you're like, God, I'm just not sure if I'm capable of doing such an important thing or doing such a big thing. And God says, that's okay. I don't need certainty because if you were certain you could do it, you wouldn't need me. I just need you to be willing to take that first step because if you'll take that first step, I can take the small things and do big things with them. So will you take that small step for God this morning? Because if you will, I think he'll do something huge in you and through you. Let's pray. Father, I just pray for everyone here this morning. Lord, many of us in many ways are probably underbelievers, but that's okay. That's who you're looking for because what that means is that, God, we need you. We need you. And when we step into the challenge, when we step into this this step of faith, Lord, we overachieve, not because of us, but because of you, because of what you do through us. So, God, I pray in Jesus' name that whatever it may be you're calling us to, Lord, give us the strength to take that first step. Lord, I pray for our teenagers here at Connect this morning. Many of them are leaving tomorrow morning for youth camp. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, it'll be a week that stirs their faith, that challenges them to take some small steps, Lord, that they see you do some big things in their life this week as a result of responding to the challenge. So God, be with us this morning, I pray, in Jesus' name.